Well, it's good to see everybody here tonight. We'll be in chapter 5 tonight, if you'd like to turn there. I do have a, a couple of handouts, but I'm not going to give them to you until the close, since they do not uh, pertain to tonight, but um, really next week. And I don't want you taking your attention off of what we're trying to give you, because to, tonight is one of the most important chapters in all the Bible. Uh, chapter 5, Revelation chapter number 5. You may have not have thought it to be such an important chapter, but that's just another way of Satan, you know, uh, twisting our minds and making things seem like they're not, and yet they are. <clears throat> the two handouts I'll be giving you next week, they're independent of one another. However, the one is um, pertinent to chapter 6, and so that's why I wanted to give it to you next week. If you have your Bibles open to Revelation chapter 5, if you have it there, look at verse 1. Now go back one verse to chapter 4 and verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, Look at verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book, written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. There's really no break in these chapters. The chapter division were put on by men many, many years after the Bible was written. And... Uh, I'm not criticizing it. Believe me, I appreciate it. I thank the Lord tonight. I can ask you to turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, and zip. We're right there. If we didn't have chapter and verse division, uh, we'd, we'd have to go to the, you know, be the New Testament. We couldn't maybe readily dis distinguish between the two. But then you'd have all these books, and there's no... Division, no chapter, no verses, all like one big letter. And uh, <clears throat> to call your attention to a specific section would be very, very difficult. And so the chapter-verse divisions are good, but they're not inspired, is what I'm trying to tell you. They're put in by man. And sometimes man doing his very best can't do things real well. In fact, you know what God says, our righteousness are as filthy rags in his sight. So it's a far cry from what God gave us, but it is a crutch that we use. I want you to notice the, the, the two coming together because we have Revelation chapter 4 and 5 in our Bibles, and we teach it, chapter 4, chapter 5, and uh, we talk about 
chapter 4 being the throne chapter and chapter 5 being the, uh, the lamb and the seven sealed book. Uh, <clears throat> but really they go together. And the reason I say that this is one of the most important chapters in all the Bible is because the theme, the subject of this chapter is rede- excuse me, redemption. Redemption. And, uh, you know, uh, well, let me just go on a little bit of introduction and then I'll uh, explain to you what I'm trying to get at here. This a very important chapter uh, here that we're looking at tonight. He says in verse number 2, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seven seal, uh, the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. Now, this book is really a scroll. Back then, they didn't have books as we have books. They had scrolls. They were rolled up. The, the uh, illustration used here for John's understanding as a scroll was a good way to under, for him to understand what they're saying here. In the Old Testament, they had, uh, of course, as we were studying in Sunday school, the book of Leviticus, they have all kind of laws governing their worship and sacrifice and all that. And they were very uh, descriptive in everything they did. And they have there and their customs in that day uh, for instance, if you were to uh, marry a wife, there'd be a contract uh, between the bride and the prospective uh, bridesmaid's parents, and there would be an agreement entered into, and, and uh, you know, they're different than us today. Uh, our marriage today happens in one day in about 20 minutes, and, and then that's it, you know. And that's about how long a lot of the marriages last, too. But, but back then, it was a contract that would be written out on a scroll. And it would be rolled up and sealed and placed at the temple in the record section there in the tabernacle before the temple or the temple later. They had a place for it. It was a document. Now, here we have... A, a document here that's called the book that is mentioned here that's in the hand of God the Father. We've already identified the one on the throne last week to be uh, the one of the Godhead, God the Father, because God the Holy Spirit appears there in the and the seven spirits. And in chapter 5 here, we're going to see the Lamb coming to that throne. And so it's God the Father is the person of the Godhead that's there. And uh, <clears throat> now, another thing you need to know a little bit about background here is about this matter of redemption. 
In the Bible, there are only three things that could be redeemed. There was a man, a wife, and land. A, a man is redeemed as we say. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Today we celebrate and enjoy redemption of the man by receiving Christ, the sacrifice who paid the price as the kinsman redeemer. He purchased us back from Satan who had hold of us. We were slaves. A person before they're saved, they are a child of the devil. They have to be born again. Born from above, born of God, and that's called redemption. And so man is redeemed. Now we rejoice in that. That, uh, that is what happened when we received Christ as our Savior. The bride, the bride we read about, read about in chapter 4, when he redeemed his bride, which is the church. That's still future for us today. But it's part of redemption's plan. Redemption is threefold. Redemption of the man, redemption of the bride, and redemption of the land. And that's what this chapter is about. This deed, this uh, uh, book or scroll here, would be what some have called, and I call it oftentimes, the title deed to the earth. Now, we just read that God created it. He did. And he placed Adam in charge of it as overseer. But what did Adam do? He sinned and he lost it. Satan scrapped it up. When Satan grabbed it, he grabbed man. He grabbed, they didn't have a, a, his wife, of course, was the instrument he used, but the land. It belonged to him. That's why when Christ was tempted, uh, you remember the, the temptation of Christ after his baptism? He was tempted of the devil and he offered him the kingdoms of the world. Christ didn't say, now, hey, wait a minute, buddy. You don't have any, you don't have the authority to do that. He didn't say that because he did have the authority. He had possession of the land. And we think of redemption, we think of redemption sometimes in a very narrow way. We, we fail to remember that it's not only the redemption of the man, but of the bride, the, the, the church, which again is future, but it's, it's part of redemption's plan, and the land. The land today, he's called today the prince and the power of the air. That's Satan. That's one of his titles. You wonder why this world is all against us who are saved? You wonder why uh, we're foreigners, foreigners in this world? And we sing a song, this world is not my home. And if you're saved, praise God, it's not your home. Your home is in heaven. Now your home was here. But you got redeemed. And you were born again into the family of God. And now you have a heavenly home. A heavenly father. But this land is still in Satan's hold. It is true today. He has hold of this land. And we think about it. 
we think about, well, this is talking about going to be giving us these judgments coming up next chapter. And this book is telling us about this book of seals and opening the seals. And we know there are seven seals. And uh, we know all that. We're going to get into that later. Uh, next week, not this week. But but we see that uh, and we have out of it. But do you ever think about creation? Creation's in Satan's grips. That's why a lion, you don't want to lay down with a lion today or he'll have a good meal. At least a, a big meal for some and a snack for some of us. Uh, some of you would just be a little snack. The preacher's wife would just be an hors d'oeuvre or something like that. She, she, would, she wouldn't even classify as being a big snack. But, uh, but anyhow, he's in control. And this world is in, he's in control of it. And the things of the world, the, the animal kingdom, they're waiting for redemption. That's when the, the, the baby can take a nap on the snake bed, you know, adder's nest, or uh, the, the, just uh, unbelievable to, to what we have today. But God didn't intend it to be that way. You, have, you plant a garden, and out here you have to be having special blessings and arts and everything to grow a garden but if you're able to grow one I'll guarantee you one thing you'll have are thorns and thistles and briars and tumbleweeds and and I found out I was introduced out here to one of your weeds called horse thistles and I think they need to take those back the devil needs to keep all them for himself uh, that is a terrible weed out here but those things now have taken over and, and so it's not like it was when God created it. When he created it, it was in perfect harmony. After every day of creation, he said it was good. And after he created man, he said it was very good. He crowned it with man's creation. And by the way, this has nothing to do with this, but I just happened to think about it and I kind of chuckle all the time. Folks say, well, we are created in God's image. No, you're not. Adam and Eve were created. You are not created. You are born. You are born into this world. And that's how we came. Adam and Eve were created. But we're not created. We are born uh, in this world. Now, let's move on. He says here, again, there's this strong angel. If you want uh, my opinion as to who that is, some have some. Some say this, some say that. Uh, my search, my study, my satisfaction, my heart is Gabriel. Why do I always say that? Because Gabriel is very uh, popular in this theories. When you go back to Daniel chapter 12, it was Dan, uh, Gabriel there that was communing with 
uh, uh, Daniel, giving him the answer to his prayer and so forth. And he told him, told him in chapter 12, and he, he let's just turn there. Uh, Daniel chapter 12. Sometimes, uh, and I asked about getting the, your, um, I don't even know what to call that stuff. Anyhow, give me access to your computer so I can bring my laptop. Not a laptop, a little notepad or something they call it. I don't know. But it's just a little thing that I can carry around. And my hands are not as nimble as they once were, as you can see. You can read Daniel by the time I get there. But we're going to Daniel chapter 12. And I want you to... i got to get through these. Well, I know we'll get it going that way. I've already passed part of it. Now I've got to go one more back. These pages, it's nice to have a Bible that's so thin and easy to carry until you want to open a page. And then you can't get a page apart. Let's just uh, look in Daniel chapter 12. And he said, and I heard, uh, I heard, but I understood not. In verse 8 I'm reading. Daniel 12, 8. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? He's talking about the end times here. And he wants to know more detail. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel. Now this is God's answer. Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. This, these, these words were sealed to Daniel, but they're open to us here. We're going to begin in chapter 6 all the way up through chapter 19, and we're going to see a description of the things that are going to be like in the end days. Now, Daniel didn't have the right, he didn't have the privilege of knowing that. They, they looked at the Old Testament, by the way, uh, in the New Testament and different than we have. We have two separate books and uh, they had the prophecies in the Old Testament that a lot of them, as we read in Daniel, concerns the New Testament. But as they looked forward in their time, here was the Old Testament, here was the New, and they didn't see. They just looked like it was all together. Of course, we know that there's a time in between as a a time of over 2,000 years now we've had the age of the church and there's going to be a time of tribulation that follows and as the the prophecies that Daniel and them had about the tribulation and that they, they would get them confused because they could only see the one perspective we see the whole view from our side and so uh, we're at an advantage. But he, he says here that this uh, strong angel came and asked a question in verse 2, and I'm in Revelation 5 again now, who is worthy to open the book and to loose these seals? Who, who's able to do that? Well, uh, of course, God knew the answer as he knows all answers. He knows the answer before you had the question. 
And and it says here, and no man, you can just stop right there, no man, whether it be in heaven or earth or under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody. Verse 4, and I wept, this is John speaking now, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look therein or thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Don't get ahead of me, John. Just just take it easy. God's not going to leave you in the dark as he did Daniel. He's going to give it to you. But he said now, he said, one of the elders saith unto me, and remember who the elders were. They were representative of the church age saints. Church age saints. So that's our representation here speaking. This again is future now. This is we're in heaven. Chapter 4 and 5 are in heaven. Not on earth, but in heaven. He, said the, he says, weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now we know from way back in Genesis that this was a a title of the Messiah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And he has another title given here, the Root of David. He he hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereon. Now, Isaiah chapter 11 uh, has a, a verse there, and I think I've copied that down here. Uh, somewhere, if I, yeah, here it is. It says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem, that's David. Now, out of the stem of Jesse, Jesse was David's father, all right? So it says, uh, And there shall come, a, uh, come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch, now that's Christ. A branch, a branch shall grow out of his root. That's David, of the seed of David. This was all prophesied in the Old Testament about the first coming of Christ, that he would come and be born of a virgin, that he would be born in a certain city, a certain family, a certain way. It was all prophesied, and it was all fulfilled. But here. Here uh, he's he's reminding him that he is this son of uh, David, uh, uh, or root of David rather. This line of the tribe of Judah is able to open this book. And I beheld in verse six, and lo, and I'm going to have to stick just to the scriptures because if I don't, I won't get done. Wait a minute, I got to stand up, salute the flag or something. I get cramps in my legs. You get that way. I get a cramp. I'm going to holler, shout, or jump up. So you, okay, okay, it went. It's rough getting old. I tell you what, I have to learn all kinds of different ways. I I, I can't write anymore. My hand shakes so bad. If I write it, I can't read it after I wrote it. So it doesn't. I don't have a typewriter. I don't know. I I used to be able to type 120 words a minute. I was a fast typer. I took took it in college after taking it in the military so uh, I could type but he can't type anymore 
young people today don't even know what a typewriter is. Of course, I, I had to learn on a manual. But anyhow, and he says in verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, uh, in the midst of the throne, remember now God sitting on the throne, and of the four beasts, remember those are the four living creatures, the they have the different heads. We covered that last week. And the and in the midst of the elders, there's the 24 elders again, stood a lamb. Talking about a lamb, now here's a lamb. They see a lamb, and this lamb, it says, as it had been slain. It still has those marks of the crucifixion. Like... Pastor, I think, was uh, Sunday night, talked about uh, Joseph, uh, uh, no, Thomas, uh, putting his hands, fingers, you know, some people argue, well, you know, scientifically, he couldn't have been nailed here, he had to be nailed here. Don't listen to all that. Just listen to what the Bible, don't put his finger in his hand, palm of his hand, right? That's good enough for me. It was a hand, it wasn't a wrist, it was a hand. Okay, and 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 in his thigh and his side, and so uh, here is that lamb. Here he still has those marks. He had them when Thomas saw him in the upper room. And are this and and uh, it says here, and having seven horns, the horns speak of power, of strength. Of course, God's omnipotent. He's all-powerful, all right? And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. We've already covered that. That's the Holy Spirit, the seven workings of the Holy Spirit. Sent forth into all the earth. And he came and looked, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now, he had to have some kind of power to take something off of God. God the Father has it in his right hand. God the Son, the Lamb, comes and takes the book. Okay, so he has a book. And when he had taken the book, verse 8, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows. You know, uh, just stop here a minute. I... I always mention that a pastor's wife playing her flute. I, I love to hear a flute. Uh, our church there in, in uh, Florida had uh, three or four different kinds of flutes in a little musical assembly there that played with the choir and that. And, and it always blesses my heart to hear them. Occasionally they would do a, a special, just flutes. And uh, now this isn't a flute, but uh, but it says here, that uh, that they had um, uh, harps, harps. Uh, that uh, harps and trumpets—the only thing mentioned in heavenly worship uh, in the Bible. Okay, but it had the harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Vials. Of course, we're going to read about the seven vile judgments or the seven bold judgments. A vow is nothing more than what you might call a, a, a high rim saucer. It'd be a, like a flat-like dish with a little bit of a rim that you could have liquid in it, but it wasn't a deep, a deep uh, dish. Uh, dish. It was just a shallow uh, a vow. 
and it had in it uh, odors or f f uh, f uh, smelling stuff that, that uh, when ignited, brought up. They used it often in the Old Testament in the worship. Uh, if we get into Leviticus, uh, uh, it'll probably cover some of that in the Sunday school class. Uh, which are the prayers of the saints. They're representing the prayers of the saints. They're in heaven now, and the saints of God are praying. These are martyred saints that are there praying. You know, you wonder, what, what would they have to pray for? I, well, I, pretty much what some of us pray for. Lord, how long will it be before you come back? This world is getting worse and worse. How long is it going to be? And, and they, they would be praying that kind of, Lord, how long before you judge? How long before you bring uh, these people to account for their sins? How long? Again, we have some of those prayers today. But this here, again, is in heaven uh, during this time when God has this uh, uh, scroll and, and Christ has taken it and he's about to proclaim it or release these seals. But this is in preliminary to that. Verse 9, And they sung a new song. I like singing. If you don't like singing, you're not going to like heaven. And by the way, you're going to sing in heaven. We're going to see these 24 elders singing. They represent us. They're, in our, they're speaking for us. We're, we're, we're represented there. We're going to be singing in heaven. They sung a new song. It won't be like these songs today. I, you know, we say new songs today, and already my ears are beginning to turn away. Uh, because this new stuff, but this is not the same stuff. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Here's what the song is saying. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou, art, uh, thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. That's beautiful singing. Singing of redemption. The subject here is redemption. This is talking about redemption here. We're going to be, we've seen the redemption of the man, the redemption of the bride. We're going to be seeing the redemption of the land. He came back to take control of the land. He doesn't have it today. He made it. He created it. He keeps everything sustained and in motion. But he's allowed Satan to take it off of Adam. And by Adam, he's taken it off of us. For all we are the same until we're by the second Adam born again. In Romans uh, what 5.12 we read about the first and second Adam. And they sang this new song. And they sang praises uh, to the Lord. There in verse 9. 
by, their, by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation. You know, some people say, well, what about... Now, wait a minute. There, there are countries that have never had the Bible, have never had a missionary. You know, you hear of, not so much anymore, but you did in my younger days, you'd hear a preacher, a missionary surrendering to a new field, opening a new field, they would say, because there's no record of anybody ever taking the gospel to those people before. You know, we have a mission field like that today in your neighborhood. You know, you have uh, housing and apartment complexes in your neighborhood that have little boys and girls that have never heard the name of Jesus except when it's spoken in a vile way, in a, in a way using it in vain. We have that right now today here. But listen, God has a redeemed people. Many people have the gospel and have accepted the gospel and received Christians all over the world. And that's, that's a blessing. But now listen. Do you know that perhaps, I don't know how many, but there will not be a few who will be in that group praising God for redemption who's never been able to hear the gospel. But they died at a little age, a child, before an age of reason, ability to, to rationalize what sin is. Now when they reach that age, I guarantee you they're going to do like we did, they're going to choose sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But a little baby, like David's little baby that died, every little baby that dies, I've comforted I don't know how many parents who've lost children. We little babies, days or months old. Or a lady who carries a miscarriage. Did you ever think of that? That little miscarried baby is going to be in heaven. You know why I know that? Because life begins at conception, not birth. Be, and praising God. Another group that you don't even think about are the ones we call technically, and I, I don't like to use this word because when I do, people turn you off, but I'm going to say it anyhow because there's no other word to say but idiot. Now, if people call people idiots, that's wrong. Most of the people you call idiots are not idiots because an idiot is somebody who has an IQ of less than a three-year-old. But there are people born that way. They're born with mental defects. They've never had a rational mind. But they're going to be singing. They're going to be thanking God for redemption because they got saved of every tongue, of every nation. You think of all these countries so wicked and mean today. They grow up to be adults. They can be some of the most vicious people. The EO, uh, um, Dem, whatever that guy's name was in Africa. I, I, my tongue gets twisted around my eye teeth. I can't see what I'm saying half the time, so just forget it. But anyhow, 
there's a lot of people that are mean in this world. They had little babies. They, that little baby dies. Well, praise God it did. Because if it lived in that society, chances are it would be just as mean as mom and daddy. Listen, this, this, is, a, this is a precious chapter here. This is a chapter here that, that would put a, it should put a Christian on shouting ground. And in verse 10, and has made us uh, unto our God kings and priests. Now we know he's not talking about angels here. Angels are not redeemed. Now the, the living creatures, uh, 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 the, the beast as we read in King James, uh, we said those are angelic beings, cherubims perhaps. Uh, they had wings and uh, again... Angels are not little girls. They're always masculine in Bible. And not all of them have wings. Only a few, only two ranks of angels. Seraphims and, and uh, uh, cherubims uh, have wings. The rest of them don't. And that's a, a majority of them are not of those two classes. And we're not teaching any geology, so let's get out of that. And hath made us unto our God kings and priests. We know saved people are a priesthood of believers. That's why we don't go to a guy who wants to dress like a mama and turn his shirt collar around backwards and and say you want to come to him because he's the priest. Uh Uh-uh. Not in the Bible. We don't need that guy. They, a lot of uh, Roman Catholicism is taken out of 20, uh, 2000 B.C. And a lot of it then is taken also from the Jewish religious systems, which had priests and so forth. And, and they get all messed up. They're all messed up anyhow. But, but anyhow, uh, we are a priesthood of believers and we are kings. We are told that we're going to reign with Christ. Don't think when you get out of this world, you go to heaven, you're going to be an angel. Don't take such a demotion. Now, angels are made higher than man. And angels are powerful, great creatures. Two-thirds of them did not fall after Satan. They stayed loyal to God the Father, and they're still loyal today, and they're fixed to where they'll always be royal, as those who are followed Satan can never be redeemed, they cannot get lost. They are God's eternal. They are in a fixed state, you might say. But here it's talking about born-again people. It's talking about people that are made uh, to be priests and kings. That's, that's talking about people that we can understand because we're in that group. We're in that group. They're priests and kings in verse 10. And, and we shall reign on the earth. That's where we reign, not in heaven. We don't, we're not going to go to heaven and reign. We're going to reign here on earth. And, and we'll teach about that when we get to chapter 20 and talk about the millennium. But now here, verse 11. We've got to go. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne 
and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. You know what that means? More than you can count. That's an, what you would say an innumerable amount. Beyond number. Angels that are be singing. And then the beast and the, uh, and the, and the um, uh, 24 elders. Uh, all of them will be singing. Praising God. Saying in a loud voice, and here's here's uh, something coming up here. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive. Now here's a doxology. You write it down. There are seven uh, praises here. Who receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessings. Oh, what a beautiful service that's going to be. This is a heavenly service. Everybody will be singing and on tune. Now listen to this. And in one voice. In Tampa, we had a uh, Spanish church. And uh, occasionally we'd have joint services. We had a Spanish preacher. In fact, I had him as a student in the college. Uh, a fine, sharp young man, pastor of the Spanish church today, but was raised in the mission field. Born in America, but he could speak Spanish with a dialect. <laughs> he spoke a Spanish, and he had a Spanish accent when he spoke English because he was raised overseas, and he was in charge of it. Boy, had a great, tremendous voice tremendous preacher. I wish you could hear him. He's preached a couple of thousand people before representing the sword of the Lord in the Spanish country speaking to young people. Uh, I can't talk about that. I don't have time. But he, he, was, he was great. What I want you to know is this. We'd have this joint service. Our song leader would be leading us in English. He would be leading his folks in Spanish. And we'd be singing together, praising the Lord. I love those services. <laughs> the preacher got out and preached. He'd interpret the preacher's preaching. Oh, what a service those are. I mean, that make you feel like you're right on the mission field. This service is better than that. You know why? We're all going to have the same voice. He heard a voice. Singular. One voice, one language. It's going to definitely be a heavenly language. It won't be what these people call tongues. It won't be gibberish. This will be words that you can understand. Words that are praising God, just like it says here. Words that everybody could rejoice in. But they're all going to be together. They're all going to be singing in one voice. All on tune. Everybody with a joyful heart, not singing because they are made to sing, but singing because they want to sing. Singing because they can sing, and some of us can't do that anymore. My goodness. What a, what a beautiful service this is going to be. And then in verse number 13, and every creature 
which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now this is a different group here. Uh, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard uh, heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And they're going to be on their knees acknowledging that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. These are the ones spoken about in Philippians. These are the ones who are not saved. These are the ones that don't have the song to sing that the saved sing. But there's all tongues are going to confess him to be Lord. Those in heaven and those who don't go to heaven. Those whose destiny will be in hell. And we'll read about that later in this book. And the four beasts said, Amen. I like that word. And I first started a preaching, I've been over 50 years now. Amen is what you heard. If the preacher said something that touched your heart, you'd say, Amen, brother. Today we've adopted Hollywood and we... I don't like that, folks. I know I'm an old fuddy-duddy and you don't have to do everything I do. And it's not going to keep you out of heaven. But let me tell you something. There's never been a better word to say than amen. They said amen. I like that. And, And I didn't need to bring that out. I just felt I should. Because we're, we're losing things today, folks. And the four and twenty elders, now that's you and, me, that's you and I. The four and twenty elders, what they do? They fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. And why didn't the, why didn't the uh, living creatures, why didn't the beasts do that? They were angels. They haven't been redeemed. They were created... And, and by the way, the angels are singing here. But you know it's strange that in the Bible there's only one place you find angels singing. The one place you find angels singing is before the fall. In creation. They sang. Read it. Read, check me out. They haven't been singing ever since. But they're going to sing again. When he redeems the world, when man has been redeemed and the bride has been redeemed and now the lamb is, is going to redeem the land itself, the created world, they're going to sing again. This is a great chapter, folks. I hope you'll, you'll read it and reread it and, and will not slack over it like so many people do.